And welcome to episode 27 of the Get More Sports Podcast. My name is Doug McCain. Thanks for rocking with us once again. On today's episode, we're going to be breaking out some college football for the first time here on the Get More Sports Podcast. Talking more football, throwing a little hoops at the end. And then we're going to give you our top 10 college football teams right now heading into the season. So we're going to do a little top 10 college football Heading into the season, but we're going to get things kicked off with Jim Harbaugh. I love me some Jim Harbaugh, especially when it comes to quotes, especially when it comes to stirring up the pot a little bit. And you got to give the guy credit. This guy is unfiltered. He doesn't care what you think. He's going to say what you want. He's a unique, eccentric guy, but he made headlines When he just said, he called out Urban Meyer. He called out Urban Meyer, threw some shade, looking like he's big mad against Urban Meyer. And really, he's throwing verbal haymakers. Quoted, Jim Harbaugh said, Urban's had a winning record. Really phenomenal record everywhere he's been. Wow, that's really nice of of Jim Harbaugh to say that, right? But but he's also had controversy follows Everywhere he's been. So he goes, Urban Myers had a winning record, really phenomenal record everywhere he's been, but also controversy follows everywhere he's been. So that was uh, for the Ohio. If you don't know the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry, it is the fiercest rivalry there is. College, pro, whatever it is. Maybe India versus Pakistan in cricket gives it a run for its money, but I'm telling you, it's a very it's as fierce as it gets. The Buckeyes and the Wolverines, their fan bases live vicariously through the success and failures of a game that is nicknamed the game. There's no other nickname for it other than the game. And when they square off, it's big. It's big time. And and all dates back to the Toledo War in the 1850s. They first played in the early 1900s. Michigan started off this series dominating, winning the first 12 games. It started off 12-0-2 in favor of Michigan, but really it's a fierce, fierce rivalry. Ohio State fans, they jump in this super cold lake. Michigan fans hate Ohio State. The governor of – during Michigan week, you can't even use the letter M. If you use the letter M, you have to cross it out with the red X. So it's a fierce rivalry, and there's never a shortage of headlines, and it's never too early to get it going. But this really does that. And Herbert Ma- and, uh, Jim Harbaugh doesn't even have his media day with the Big Ten until Friday this morning. And this morning – he talked more about it. He said that it really wasn't a bombshell, that it was just common knowledge. And to me, I think you're adding fuel to the fire there. But we'll see what Urban Meyer has to say because Urban Meyer now is working for the Fox pregame show. But my whole thing, you know, with Meyer retired, he's off to television. Why do you save this now? I feel like, look, you can say what you want, Jim Harbaugh. I love that you're always talking. Trust me, I love it. But why do you do this now? It's almost like you're talking about a dead guy. Might as well just bring up Woody Hayes punching the player against Clemson. Might as well bring up other things in the past because why do you wait till Urban Meyer is not coaching Ohio State for you to to bring that bravado and start calling him out now? Because, look, at the end of the day, Jim Harbaugh, the question is whether or not he's on the hot seat. Now, Jim Harbaugh is a guy who, when he was hired – 
This guy was can't miss. The highest paid coach in college football. A guy who was supposed supposed to not just bring Michigan back to prominence, but to be a national title contender. To be a guy that takes Michigan from the dark days of Rich Rodriguez, the dark days of Brady Hoke, and restore some of the glory of Michigan football. Hail to the victors. And unfortunately, to this point, the Michigan fans have not gotten the results that they thought they were with Jim Harbaugh. And look, it's just what it is. The fact of the matter is, if you coach at Ohio State, and you coach at Michigan, you are gauged solely on your performance against Ohio State, solely against your performance against Michigan. In the 90s, John Cooper was a phenomenal coach for Ohio State. They were consistently in Rose Bowls, Big Bowls, vying for national titles, but he couldn't beat Michigan when it mattered, and that ultimately cost him his job. You flip the script, they bring in Jim Trestle. Jim Trestle wins his first matchup with Michigan in 2001. Then in 2002, he beats Michigan and goes on to win a national championship, and that is just the standard for Ohio State and Michigan coaches. If you don't beat the other team, if you don't beat the Buckeyes, if you don't beat the Wolverines, your stint is going to be cut short because the fan bases, that's all they live for. I'm telling you, if you're Ohio State fan, Michigan fan, if you win that game, all is right in the world. Yes, you want to win national championships. Yes, you want to get big bowl games. But no rivalry win helps the coach more than a Michigan-Ohio State win does for their respective teams. And if you're, if you're Jim Harbaugh, I really think this is kind of a dirty thing to do to Urban Meyer. I mean, Urban Meyer did you the biggest favor of your Michigan coaching career by absolutely just retiring when he did. Because, look, he was 0-4 against Ohio State. 0-4 last year. They were, that was supposed to be the best shot they had to beat Ohio State. Ohio State won that game 62-39. to So 62-39, to they win that game. And right now, Urban Meyer is 1-9 against top 10 teams. So, I mean, sorry, Jim Harbaugh is 1-9 against top 10 teams. So that glow that he brought into Michigan when he first joined Michigan, and he's a guy that when he, when he joined Michigan – I mean, this was headlines. This was a guy that could have really handpicked any head coaching job he wanted in the NFL ranks, the college ranks, and he chose to go to Michigan. I love the move at the time because I just thought, hey, this is Jim Harbaugh, okay? This is a guy who took Stanford, who turned Stanford into a powerhouse. Then he goes to San Francisco, and then he takes San Francisco. They could have won a Super Bowl had it not been for the lights turning off, but... Uh, this is a guy who I just thought it was a perfect fit, especially at a time when Ohio State had their guy in Urban Meyer. Michigan has Jim Harbaugh, but unfortunately up to this point, he just hasn't had an identity. So that's one of my issues with Urban Meyer. His offense was been has been so dated. It just looks like a 1980s Michigan offense when he was playing there, and it has not worked out. And then now in year five, so we're all the way into year five of his Michigan career, and I'll give him a pass for those early years, did not have a stable of quarterbacks. Last year he was able to get Shea Patterson, uh, the transfer, and Shea Patterson, he had a great, he had a good year, but I don't think he, it was as great as some of the Michigan fans had hoped considering his five-star status. Going into the year, you had a lot of guys saying he he might be a top 10 to 15 
pick in the NFL draft, and he's certainly slipped from that standpoint. So, uh, in my opinion, I think you're waiting to year five to change your offense. And then, yes, he's gone to Josh Gaddis, the Alabama guy. So, my only issue with him is, look, I can't believe you're doing this now when Urban Meyer is retiring. He's retiring for health reasons, and now you want to talk about the contract. But let's listen to let's listen to it right here. Here's Urban Meyer. Here's Jim Harbaugh on Urban Meyer. Obviously a, a, a big-time rival, big-time uh, achiever there at Ohio State. Yeah, he's – Urban Meyer's had a uh, winning record, uh, really phenomenal record everywhere he's been, but also – controversy follows everywhere he's been so you hear what he's got to say and all I've got to say is Jim Harbaugh look I'm not going to say he's on the hot seat because I don't think he's on the hot seat I don't really believe in the hot seat either they're ready to fire you or they're not and to me I don't think Michigan should ever considering firing Jim Harbaugh look they have been they haven't had any tank jobs he just got a decent quarterback in Shea Patterson last year but I'm not going to say he's on the hot seat. Also, being relevant is a big thing in college football. And now with Urban Meyer gone, he really has the best chance he's had at success at Michigan. But I'm also saying if you don't get it done this year, Jim Harbaugh, if you do not get it done, you're going to have even loyal Michigan fans wondering if he's the guy. Because the thing about Jim Harbaugh is – the rep on him, his M.O. is he wears on places. He goes in, he has his success, but when it fizzles out, it does pretty quickly. And if Jim Harbaugh doesn't get it done this year, you got to think for Jim Harbaugh's sake, for Jim Harbaugh's sake, maybe he wants to go to the NFL because NFL teams would line up for Jim Harbaugh. Don't kid yourself. Jim Harbaugh could get a big-time NFL job. With one phone call, he could be back in the pros. If you lose to Ohio State this year, you're 0-5. If you lose to Notre Dame this year, you're 0-2. And speaking of Notre Dame, today's sports fact of the day, sports fact of the day is going to be who is the ma- who is the winningest head coach in college football history? That would be Newt Rockney. So Newt Rockney. Out of Notre Dame, he won 88% of his games. He coached 105 wins, 12 losses. Coming in second was another coach at Notre Dame, Frank Leahy, who coached at Notre Dame and Boston College. Leahy won 86% of his games with 107 wins and 13 losses. So Newt Rockney. Also, bonus fact on Notre Dame, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. You love the Fighting Irish, right? You got to love the Fighting Irish mascot. One of the most famous nicknames in college football. They weren't always the Fighting Irish. Notre Dame originally didn't have that nickname, and they adopted the Fighting Irish for their teams up in 1927. So that's when they became the Fighting Irish in 1927. From the, in 19, from the 1880s through 1926, Notre Dame's nicknames were the Hoosiers and the Ramblers. So it could be the Notre Dame Ramblers, but of course to the Fighting Irish. So if you're Jim Harbaugh, you got to get it done this year. I'm telling you, you win at the big house. Things will change. I'm, I'm very high on Michigan this year. So that's going to do it for Jim Harbaugh. Keep talking, though, because we love it. And my only thing is I just wish that Urban Meyer was still the coach at Ohio State. I was hoping we were going to get another 10-year war with both Shem Beckler and Woody Hayes. Unfortunately, Urban Meyer retired. But we're going to see if Ryan, maybe Ryan Day and, and Jim Harbaugh can get something going because I'm telling you it's the best rivalry in college football, it's fierce, and this year it promises to be another epic showdown in the big house come November. 
Well, who are the coaches on the hot seat this year? And we're going to do some top 10 college football in a little bit. But the top 10 coaches who are on the hot seat right now, I've got Clay Helton. Clay Helton, they wanted him gone last year from USC. Uh, A.D. Lynn Swan, he ended up retaining him. A lot of USC fans were not happy. They feel like they deserve a better coach in at, uh, at USC. So Clay Helton, he's definitely on that list. Lovey Smith from Illinois. He really hasn't had a lot of success, the former Bears coach. And really, Illinois is kind of one of those sleeping giant teams in the Big Ten. He's got some good recruiting done, but really, the athletic director apparently has made it clear that he's got to get it done. Bob Davey at New Mexico. So Bob Davey, another guy, he almost got fired last year, and he went 3-9 and nine for his second straight season. It's crazy to think that he's still there. You remember him, the former coach at Notre Dame, the former broadcaster, Bob Davey not getting it done at New Mexico. Tony Sanchez at UNLV. He's uh you know, he's probably gonna go. Chris Ash of Rutgers. I mean, this guy, he's seven and twenty-nine. How are you still keeping him at Rusk Rutgers? Randy Edsall at UConn. Remember, UConn had a co- a good year a couple years ago. He had him in a BCS game, but uh Last year, they lost eight of their last 11 games last year by 30 points or more. That's going to get you fired, Randy Edsall. So he better get it done this year. Barry Odom from Missouri. Barry Odom from Missouri is another guy who uh, he's 19 and 19 in his time in Missouri. He's also 0-2 in bowl games. He's a guy in Missouri. Like I said, they're a program in the SEC. Since they joined the SEC, they were, they've been pretty decent. They're a program that historically has had some success. Philip Montgomery at Tulsa. And then this is my sleeper one. This is my sleeper one for hot seat this year. I got Ed Orgeron at LSU. Ed Orgeron at LSU. He's 25 and 9 in you know about throwing, you know maybe he became the coach halfway into the season about two and a half years since being the head man in Baton Rouge. And they expect national championships in LSU. They're falling behind the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the the Floridas, they haven't gotten it done since then. So I really think that LSU, they have the, they, they do have pretty unrealistic expectations, but it's a fertile recruiting territory. They got some of the best uniforms in college football. They got the Eye of the Tiger right there in Baton Rouge, the best home environment really in college football. I got Penn State at night, LSU at night. You can't top those two, and they expect to win. And I'm telling you, Ed Orgeron, he might have to go back to be making appearances like in the blind side because he's not getting it done at LSU to the level that they expect. I really don't like him really as their head coach. I think they need more of an X and O's guy. He's a guy that, yes, he can get you motivated, get you hyped for a game or two, but I don't necessarily see him as a national championship winning head coach. So those are my top 10 coaches on the hot seat. I'm not going to throw in Jim Harbaugh on that list, but... It's a, look, I'm not saying he's on the hot seat, but I'm telling you it's a make-or-break year for all parties included for the Michigan program and Jim Harbaugh because how do you stomach? How would you sell recruits, sell sell the fan base on going 0-5 against Michigan, against Ohio State? you got to get it done against your rivals at Michigan. Start things off strong by beating Notre Dame get Michigan State done, and Jim Harbaugh, I'm telling you, I believe in Jim Harbaugh, I believe in the Michigan Wolverines, and I do think it's going to be very interesting to see how they fare this season.
And next is a little check-in on the Open with Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, he misses the cut, and really, he had a miserable first round. He said, hey, it's just the way it's going to be with his back. And I'll give you a fact about Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods and is the only fused back ever to play on the PGA Tour. There's never been a player that's played and competed with a fused back And look, he's looking like a bag of bones out there, and that's just what it is. Tiger Woods fan, I mean, he's grimacing after every shot. He's just not in great shape, and it's not his fault. It's not like he doesn't want to be in great shape, but when you got the multitude of injuries and surgeries from his knee, from his back, this guy has done everything in his power to try to get back on the course consistently. And if you're Tiger Woods fans, you take that Masters in April, you celebrate it, and you enjoy that, but don't expect him to win another major. You can't expect him. Maybe he gets lucky one weekend. Maybe the stars align. But, I mean, if you just look, it was just such a horrific round. He took 32 putts, just hit eight fairways, and was 10 of 18 on greens in regulation. I mean, he stunk. He, I mean, he absolutely, it was an absolute train wreck for Eldrick, for Tiger Woods out there. And he, I mean, he finished with a 78, the third worst round he's played at a major tournament in his career. So he was just, he had a terrible day. And I just think you just got to, he said, hey, I'm not, here's a quote from Tiger Woods. He says, I'm not 24 anymore. Life changes, life moves on, and I can't. Uh, I can't devote, as I've told you many times, I can't devote the hours to practice like I used to. Standing on the range, hitting balls for four or five hours, go to play 36, come back, run four or five miles, then go to the gym. Those days are gone, and it's not because he doesn't want to train. It's not because he doesn't have that will in him. It's because his body is just not allowing him. Father of time has caught up with Tiger Woods, and he says, I've I have to be realistic about my expectations and hopefully peaking at the right time. I peaked at Augusta well, and hopefully I can peak a few more times this year. So you got to give Tiger Woods some credit. He's being completely honest with himself. He's being honest with his fans. And, you know, we just saw Roger Federer competing at the Wimbledon. And what these guys have been able to do at their at the stages of their career, not just the age, but how much golf, how much tennis, how many times they've competed on this high level. And I think you're right. Tire Woods, hey, that's the gotta be that has to be the expectation going forward. Tire Woods, if he peaks again like he did in Augusta, that's great. But he gave you that one last major. He gave you that major where it was the first time he had ever came back on a Sunday to win the Masters. He did that, put it in history, one of the most historic clutch uh, majors and triumphant comebacks that we had ever seen in the history of sports. Just go ahead and make the Disney movie and just call it a career. He's a legend. To me, at his peak, you don't get better than Tiger Woods. Jack Nicholas has the longevity on him. But if I'm Tiger Woods, I have no shame in how my career has panned out. He's made it back. He's won his major. So let's all ease. Let's all pump the brakes on the Tiger Woods major expectations moving forward. And next, we're going to talk a little Jerry West, talk a little hoops. Jerry West, the logo, the best executive in the history of professional sports. He says yesterday that the Clippers are the best organization that he has ever 
had the chance to work with. Play the clip of Jerry West. One of the things I enjoy about being here, and obviously this is going to be my final stop in my basketball life, is Steve Ballmer has really put together an unbelievably terrific organization. Uh, he spared no expense. It's a really fun place to be. It's not ego-driven at all. He's got an awful lot of basketball people over there. And, and again, I'm just happy to be uh, such a small part of it. He's willing to spend on players. He's willing to spend on personnel within the front office. I've never been around any organization that uh, is better than this one, that's for sure. And a lot of people are saying, hey, is Jerry West taking a shot at the Los Angeles Lakers? And Los Angeles Lakers. By the way, I think it's important to, to, to preface this by the fact that Jerry West is a straight shooter. Jerry West, at, before when Jerry West retired, there was no Michael Jordan, no Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Will Chamberlain was in the mix. But Jerry West was in the conversation. He was the Jordan of his day. He's a guy that had no issues saying whatever he wanted at any time. He's a free spirit. This guy is a straight shooter. If he wanted to call out the Lakers, he would call out the Lakers. And I don't think he's doing that. I think he is being 100% honest and really give the credit to Steve Ballmer and the Los Angeles Clippers. I don't think he's calling out the Lakers. If anything, you could say he's calling out the Golden State Warriors because that's the last organization he was consulting for before joining the Clippers. And I personally think that he's just speaking the truth. I think that the Clippers are a fine-tuned organization, and I think there's a really good chance that that's true, whether or not that hurts the Lakers' feelings or not. I mean, when he was with the Lakers, the La- he was the Lakers. You had Jerry Buss, and Jerry Buss was definitely a great owner. But why was Jerry Buss a great owner? Because he delegated to Jerry West and basically allowed him to run the show. And I think Jerry West says, hey, I, you know, maybe I don't have to run the show completely. Maybe I'm a part of a team that is just dominating in every facet. They are professional from top to bottom on the Los Angeles Clippers, and there is, just look at, there, the perfect example, where were the leaks on the, on the Kawhi news? Where was the leaks on the Kawhi news? There was none. Why was there no leaks? Because the Clippers have their you-know-what together. They are buttoned up, they are, they are foolproof, and I think Jerry West, like I said, don't, I don't want to sit here and say Jerry West is trying, this is an 80, 80-year-old man and you think he's trying to be petty to throw shade at the Los Angeles Lakers? This guy is not that kind of guy. He was not throwing shade at the Los Angeles Lakers. Don't always try to make it about the purple and gold. Don't always try to make it about the Lakers. Jerry West was just telling you like it is, and they are really probably the most functional organization that he's worked for. So whether or not that translates to championships, I like their roster. I like their the prospect of them getting to the finals with Kawhi Leonard and, and, and Paul George. They're definitely in the mix. But I think he's just talking about from top to bottom. So I don't want to hear any of that. Jerry West versus the Lakers. Stop trying to make that happen. It's not a thing. Jerry West has done it all, seen it all, accomplished it all. And the last thing he needs is a verbal spout in a back and forth with the Los Angeles Lakers. You're not going to get that if you want it. All right, so we're going to end the show today with my a little preview of my top 10 college football teams heading into 2019. We're going to break this down super in-depth in a little bit as we get closer to the season. But right now, number 10, I got Texas, Tom Herman, and the Longhorns. 
He's got the Big 12 championship, a college football playoff within reach. I think first year, got off to a slow start. But this year, I think that he's going to come up. I mean, quarterback Sam Ellinger, 41 touchdowns last season. And their offense, 31.1 points per game. So keeping Ellinger healthy, you got little Jordan Humphrey. I like that. They also got their defenses rebuilt. They host LSU in week two, and they play Oklahoma State and Oklahoma before mid-October. So the schedule, you got matchups with BYU, Iowa State, TCU. I like the way their schedule lines up. I got them at number 10. Number nine, I got the Domers. I got the Fighting Irish. They got some key players that they need to replace, but I think that they got a nice year this year coming up. Coach Brian Kelly, he's going to be favored in 10 of his first 12 games. So 10 of his 12 matchups, you got road trips to Georgia and Michigan. Those are going to be big, but the Notre Dame Fighting Irish are going to be favored in 10 of their 12 games. Those uh, Georgia and Michigan games are really going to be the swing games for them. You got Brandon Wimbush. I mean, last year, 12-1. Book. 68.2% completion percentage, threw for 2,628 yards and 19 touchdowns. And I think that Book, I think they're going to go really, they're going to try to open things up for Book this year. And also you got Chase Claypool, you got Cole Komet. I like them coming in at number nine. Then I got the Florida Gators. The Florida Gators, I mean, four and seven in 2017. Dan Mullen changed that, led them to a 10 and three record. And they beat Michigan 41-15. to I think that's a program on the rise. I got them coming in. What they're going to do, they host Auburn on October 5th. And that's early on. If they can get past that, they, they, they got Georgia at the in, on November 2nd. That's going to be the big showdown. But look for Florida to have a chance to get back into the mix as one of the uh, elite SEC teams. And then we got LSU. We talked about Ed Orgeron on the hot seat. Ed Orgeron, LSU. This is a year, like I said, they got they got Texas. They got Texas in in the early on the season. They got to take care of business against the Loghorns. Whoever wins that LSU Texas game will really be springboarded to be in playoff contention as they move close to the conference schedule. But uh, I like them. You got Joe Burrow. Joe, Joe Burrow is probably the best quarterback they've had there for quite some time. Last year, he threw for 2,800 yards, 16 touchdowns in his first year with the program. And then they got a receiver named Justin Jackson, Justin Jefferson. Look at him on YouTube. This guy makes highlight tapes, stuff, highlight reel potential, 54 catches for 875 yards. I like him. And they also got Christian Fulton. If you know if you know LSU, they churn out elite quarterbacks, cornerbacks. Patrick Patterson won being one that's had great success in the pros. And him, number one cornerback possibly in the nation. He's a guy that's big time. Their schedule, November 9th at Alabama. That's the issue. They go to Alabama. Next, they got Oklahoma, the Sooners. The Sooners, uh, you're going to look, you're going to, you know, Kyler Murray went to the pros. They're going to have a high-powered offense once again. Marquise Brown, uh, CeeDee Lamb. Their team, you know, with Lincoln Riley's going to put up points. I like them. The Sooners gave up, though. The thing about them, can they get their defense right? They gave up 160 rushing yards per game. They finished 111 nationally in pass efficiency defense, allowing 6.1 yards per play defensively. So really with them, you know they're going to put up points, is can they get stops on defense to keep it respectable? Because you don't want 12 shootouts if you're the Oklahoma Sooners. 
But I'm telling you, they got Jalen Hurts. So Jalen Hurts, we're going to see if Lincoln Riley can work his magic with Jalen Hurts. I mean, this guy, in his career with uh, with Alabama, he accounted for 7,600 total yards, and they get him coming right in to compete and perform, and we'll see how Lincoln Riley can utilize him. Then we got the Ohio State Buckeyes. So the Ohio State Buckeyes, the Buckeyes, the question with Ohio State this year is Ryan Day. Urban Meyer, he finished his career with an 83-9 record, a 7-0 mark versus the Wolverines, and there's going to be a lot of pressure on Day, on Ryan Day. Can he come in there and dominate? Of course, the big news in the offseason was they were able to get Justin Fields, the transfer from Georgia, who's one of the top-ranked quarterbacks in his recruiting class. They got J.K. Dobbins back. And you got to love the potential of Day and Fields and Dobbins and that offense. Their defense was seven in the Big Ten last year. They allowed 25.5 points per game, and they finished six first to run, allowing 158.2 yards per game, allowing 5.8 yards per play. So really, the defense for Ohio State was suspect this year. If it wasn't for their potent offense, they really wouldn't have had a great year and, and – um, Haskins, but they did bring in the former Michigan assistant Greg Madison and Jeff Halfley from the 49ers to coordinate that defense. So really they're going to try to shore up that defense because you know the offense is going to be lights out. Day, Fields, Dobbins, they're always having lights out explosive athletes at Ohio State. So I got them. Then I- And then I'm rolling with the Michigan Wolverines. So the Michigan Wolverines coming in next. The, this is the year I think everything is lined up for Michigan to break through, win the division, win the conference, and make an appearance in the college football playoff because you host Ohio State. That's going to be big. Urban Meyer's gone. You got Notre Dame at home. Shea Patterson is returning for his senior year. You got Tariq Black, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Nico Collins. And really, I think this is a year – where where Michigan really breaks through. Their running back position, Chris Evans' status is really uncertain at this point, but you got guys, True Wilson could step in, Christian Turner. They're, they have guys, and really it's just about what they're going to do on offense with the new quarterback, with the new coordinator, Gaddis, because if he comes in and their offense starts to match what we saw with their defense, because their defense really was – was was setting the table for that Michigan team. They really led the way for the Wolverines last year, but they do have to replace guys like Winovich, like Devin Bush, like David Long, like Rashawn Gary, Brandon Watson. So they have guys they have to replace on defense. And then also, they gave up 103 points in their final two games last year. So will they get that defense right? Will Josh Gaddis' offense pay dividends and take Michigan to the next level and Shea Patterson and company? But I love the way their schedule lines up. You got three big games in Ann Arbor. Michigan State, you got Sparty at the, Sparty comes to the big house. The Fighting Irish come to the big house. Ohio State comes to the big house. Everything lines up for this to be a magical year for the Michigan Wolverines, and I really think this could be their year. Then, to round this out, you got Georgia. Georgia's been a powerhouse last couple years under Kirby Smart, and really, Jake Fromm, he threw 2,700 yards last year, 30 touchdowns to just six interceptions. So this guy's getting big yards, not turning over the ball much. But you got Notre Dame, Florida, Texas A&M, Auburn, 
you play all those teams, right? And but look for them to have a big year. They got the, another guy on that team I like is DeAndre Baker, uh, who they they have to replace. So they're gonna have to replace DeAndre Baker, and look for them to have a big year. Then I got rounding this out. You probably know who I got. You got Clemson coming in at number two, the reigning national champions, Trevor Lawrence. And company, I mean, Trevor Lawrence's star power, he's going to be like the next coming of Tim Tebow. You're going to get a heavy dose of Trevor Lawrence this year. Dabo Sweeney signed that $93 million deal, and I just think their offense is going to be tough to stop. Justin Ross, T. Higgins, explosive players. Then you got Travis Entian out of the backfield. I mean, how do you stop that Clemson defense? I mean, offense, especially considering they're going to be playing the ACC, using those as tune-up games for the college football playoff. You can pretty much pencil them in right now for a playoff uh, appearance for the Clemson Tigers. Then coming in at number one, the Alabama Crimson Tide. So the Alabama Crimson Tide, you got number one. It's no surprise they're going to be coming off a year with a lot of revenge. They're going to want to find a way to get back into being the class of the college football ranks. They the they, they have a Clemson problem right now, and they have a Dabo Sweeney problem, but they still got Najee Harris, Damian Harris. They got Josh Jacobs, and I think they're going to really lead the way for them. And then you got Tua Tagovailoa, who a lot of people think could be the number one pick. Last year he threw for 3,900 yards, 43 touchdowns. That defense is stacked. And if you look, the thing about them is can they get through uh, some road trips? They got, they, got a, they got some road games at Texas A&M. Texas A&M could be a top 10 team. Auburn, that's never easy. South Carolina and Mississippi State. But they do host LSU. So... That's a big test for them, but I'm telling you, they got to get through that road gauntlet of games. Auburn won't be easy. Texas A&M won't be easy, but I got them. Look for be on the lookout for Terrell Lewis. He's their next big masher, and Anthony Jennings. Anthony Jennings, 13 tackles for a loss last year, five and a half sacks from the outside linebacker spot. They're loaded once again, but that's my early top ten. We're gonna break it down more in depth. Uh, as we get close to the season. But that's going to do it for episode 27 of the Get More Sports Podcast. Thanks for rocking with us once again. And uh, have a great rest of your weekend. First guest coming next week. I'm guaranteeing it right now. Put all the pressure on me. We're going to get that first guest locked down for you guys. Thanks again, and I'm out.